This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's Shake Them Ropes. My name is Chris Novembrino. I'm joined here by Jeff Hawkins. We're going to spend the next hour or so here trying to take your mind off of the news events of the week here. Uh, But for those of you who are interested in hearing about that, you can, of course, listen to my other show, Don't Worry About the Government, and you can hear me talk about that at length. This is a serious time right now, um, and I encourage people to be following the news closely, but we're here to talk about wrestling. Um, although, unfortunately, the news will dribble into wrestling as well. So with <laughs> with me to help me with this is Jeff Hawkins. Hi, Jeff. Yeah, it's going to dribble in a little bit because <laughs> the company we most cover decided to comment on it. So, yeah. Yeah, the company we most cover has a real knack for being tone deaf. Um, and it's essentially impossible for us to get through the wrestling news of the week sans the context of the broader political situation that we are currently in involving black lives matter involving the protests that we're seeing all over the country we're not covering that here though if you want to hear more about that i literally put out two hours and 45 minutes of it over at don't worry about the government um and i just put out another 45 minute premium show too so there's lots of me talking about that but uh let's get into let's get into some wrestling news here Chris, what is your opinion on the spud angle? The, uh, sorry, Drake Maverick. I'll go with his, I'll go with his other name in terms of how much was work. When did, when did they pivot the optics of it? Because as you have said before we went on air and even just now kind of alluded to our, our theme for the week is going to be tone deafness. Um, What's your general thought? I mean, what's interesting about the tone deafness with the spud situation is that th- this war, it correlates to politics and like the state of affairs here in the country in the sense that like in wrestling right now, in the wrestling business, you have all these other organizations. Um, NWA, I think, is probably the most notable. Um, Billy Corgan was paying money out of his own pocket to keep people employed. Meanwhile, WWE is posting record profits and spent the earlier part of the march like the the start of coronavirus um and in that story really kind of bubbling up doing targeted cutbacks um and trying to justify doing targeted cutbacks and and that's where the drake maverick story here begins um but there's a real question of how many of these cuts did wwe really need to make and i, I think that that question's only going to get larger once we see the quarterly profits for quarter two for me, the real tone deafness came after the fact. The Drake Maverick interview of seizing an opportunity where other guys didn't, that to me came off. That must have cut like a knife for some of these guys who have yeah. been you know, I mean, beating their head against the wall at this company. Zack Ryder sitting there while WWE asked to use his pool <laughs> when they go, we don't want to use you anymore. And then hearing somebody go, you know, I, I seize the brass ring junk. I, my opinion is this. My opinion was Drake Maverick was let go. 
I think then, that's right. He then went to social media and cut this promo after agreeing. He because I think for Drake, his dream was to wrestle in front of a WWE audience. And he never really got that. He got like a match on 205 Live, I believe. But I think his dream was to be a wrestler, not a figurehead and not a manager. He wanted to be in there and to show that he could get over on his own merits. So he said, sure, I'll, I'll do this cruiserweight tournament for you. But then went on social media and cut this promo, which caught the imagination of wrestling Twitter, wrestling journalists, uh, and it earned the it reminded everyone that I mean, like it didn't just catch the imagination. It reminded everyone that Drake Maverick, James uh, Spud, whatever you want to call him, is I would say in the top ten percent of promos in the business right now. I would agree. Um, yeah, and and, and, and and in that company, top five percent. And this is just me speculating, but this is where the company looked at it and went, well, maybe we could do something here. And there might have been a little bit of backstage politicking from a friend of Drake Mavericks, who we know, who is very, very large and very, very important to the SmackDown brand. I don't know that for a fact, but could be possible. No, but you, you have to imagine, even if it wasn't direct politicking, I think the idea of estranging or straining the relationship with that current champion would not be a wise move. Um, and certainly, WWE would be in a really bad position if Strowman ever walked. But I think the deal was made after the promo was cut. We can use this as a storyline, but we can't actually fire him after this. So, we, so that would be very bad optics. So we're going to sign him for now. And who knows how long this contract runs. But then or it became, if he does anything interesting ever again after this. Sequence. Yes, I mean, he, he could be on next week and get squashed by that, uh, that tag team that Stokely Hathaway is, is managing. And that could be it. But for now, it would be very, very good PR to have him do a good showing. I don't think he was the original plan here either. I think Jake Atlas was probably going to be in the finals with Kushida in some way. But look, we have something here. We have something fans want. Let's build on that. And NXT is the company that would most do something like this because they are out of the purview of Vince McMahon and they kind of have their own little fiefdom down there. Don't get me wrong. There's WWE. I feel like that's less now. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you, but I feel like we've seen the, the walls of the kingdom uh, slowly get torn down. It's like a Hong Kong independence slowly being taken away from NXT. Yeah, I no, like I said, it's, it's WWE with yellow ropes right now, but right now. Yeah, for sure. I think they went, we can't, we can't go through with this because it'd be bad PR but we could make a good PR if we actually gave him a job. And so I think they did. I don't think they kept it as a surprise for after the tournament. He had to have known because that, that promo he cut, I, I didn't like the promo he cut pre-match. I didn't where I could, you know, I've been eating ice cream. I can look into the camera this, this time, yeah, which only just... further illustrates how, like I, when he was doing that, I was like, Oh yeah, this is one of the many reasons why I that's, feel disconnected from the wrestler because I don't ever get wall. eye contact with them. Yeah, it's too breaking the fourth wall. It, it's just yeah, it's for sure. Ju- it's too cute by half. It's it's not taking the gravity of the situation. Like this is gonna be my finest day or my worst day, and they decided to go. He's been driven insane by whether it's gonna be his best day or his worst day, and I I don't think that was. I don't think that was the tone to set for this promo. I think the tone was measured. 
It's like, look, there's a very good chance it could be the best day of my life, but I also know this would be the worst day of my life. I'm focused. I'm ready. Let's go do this. As opposed to being unfocused and eating cake. I, you know, that's just Yeah, that was me. so weird. Like, tonight I could eat cookies. Tonight I could eat cake. It, like, it, it went into whimsy or, like, mild comedy with, like, uh, I could just jump on top of this car. I could go to the ring on a pogo stick. Like, yeah, indeed. But, like, every time you're bringing up these new absurd examples, you're kind of removing me from you a little bit. Like, I, I think, yeah, what I would have rather have heard is, this may be the best day of my life. This might be the worst day of my life. But I'll tell you, this is going to be the hardest day of my life, and I'll never work harder than right now, tonight in this ring. Something a little more simple, a little more muted, a little less whimsical. Um, yeah, that that was the part that kind of missed the mark for me with the Drake Maverick promo. You know, in a weird way, though, I have viewed this program as bad corporate management, tone deaf, but in spite of all of that, and this is definitely not a justification of this, I think it has yielded good, in quotes, wrestling. In, in the sense that good wrestling to me, um, it, from yesteryear especially, is stuff that always made you wonder what is and isn't real. Um, now, I do not approve of the way WWE got us to this point where we're questioning what is and isn't real. We've covered that. But what I'm saying is, strip that all away right now for just this little section of the discussion. Isn't it kind of fun that you don't really know where reality begins and ends? I think it is. Um, and I think it actually added to this program, but it's like a very horrible way to get there. Agreed. I thought it was pretty good storytelling for what they did. The, the only, I, mean, I thought so. They really dropped the ball on Jake Atlas, I think, during the course of this whole thing. But between him and El Hio del Fantasma, I, I thought they did some, some good storytelling here for the most part. Yeah, no, um, I, the NXT audience and the WWE audience is, like, super hammy and, like, too, like, over the top now. Like, the, the having the the fake actors uh, or the wrestlers um, out there cheering on and acting like they're an audience, it, it, it makes some of those moments feel really hollow. But I liked uh, I liked the match. Uh, I think Ehel Del Fantasma is going to be a, a great champion, um, and he'll have a lot of really great matches. I'm, I'm excited to see what he'll do. But... Yeah, uh, Jake Atlas, certainly it felt like we were going one direction with this guy and we went a different direction somewhere midway through and he ended up getting really lost in the shuffle because of this. And Kushida, man, this is a dude who's just adrift, right? Like, I don't know that there's ever been, actually there, there surely has to have been, but he is bottom 25% of people who have been in an NXT takeover have gotten the dedicated camera turns to the audience and we look at Kushida and then we hype up that guy um, just like we do with Adam Cole or any uh, Kevin Owens or any of these other talents in years past, Drew McIntyre. Um, Kushida has been handled one of the worst out of anyone. I would say the worst. I think. Yeah, he, that's probably fair. Um, you know, he's been rebooted three times now. Oh, this is going to be where they get it right and they never do. I, I just, I, I'm, I just think they look at guys that, can't speak English, but are very good technicians and go, well, he's a wrestler. We, he's not an entertainer. What can we do with it? Yeah, they see him as an enhancement guy. Um, I, I think it, it kind of gets back to, you and I were talking before the show here, like the FTR interview with Jim Cornette this week that we both listened to. Uh, at one point, 
they go to WWE, goes to the FTR guys, and they go, hey, you're great wrestlers, great hands, but what we want to do now is we want to tell stories. Um, and now what ensues, you, you can your mileage may vary on how much you believe uh, the seriousness of WWE's plan here, but that now we want to tell stories, now we want to like really get a character going. They love that stuff. And if you are a person who does not have a great command of English, especially in a acting level of command of English, like you can read and speak a little bit, but like really carrying lines and carrying scenes in English, WWE has a hard time getting a frame on you because they don't know how, for a company that loves to tell stories, they don't know how to tell stories with the strong silent type. Hmm. Agreed. We got a lot to get into here. We have an in your house preview. If we want to do it, we have, I thought all the shows had good things to them. Um, but let me go over a few news and notes. Uh, Triple H doing a conference call, the usual NXT conference call prior to In Your House coming on the award-winning WWE Network on Sunday. Uh, he says Fight Pit is going to be a regular uh, gimmick match for NXT. Could be good, could be bad. I like the Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I worry that they're going to get super married to fight pit and it'll be get gimmicky but like if they keep fight pit fighty if they keep that's a a good word for it yeah yeah fighty um it needs to actually have you know scrappy brawly bust his face open Mm -hmm. like the the stiffness it it, certainly if if this company could ask people to fall off of 10 foot ladders uh fresh off of a knee injury or something too uh i don't I think you can say, hey, we're going to work a little stiffer, a little bit snugger in the fight pit, and that's the vibe of this match. That's where the added danger is in this match. If they do that, great. If we get lots of running around the top of the fight pit, um, people going in and out of the fight pit, I, certainly I do not want people going in and out of the freaking fight pit. Um, if we get any of that, then it's going to move into a, just a gimmick match, or worse still, if someone starts sliding weapons into the fight pit, I'm going to be out on this format. Yeah. The use of it is kind of a de facto scaffold match. I'm, I'm not as high on as some people. Uh, If you have, you know, punch kick guys who know and grapplers, grapplers, how many syllables you want to make that Hawkins. Uh, If you have grapplers and guys, guys who can fight the the tongue went numb halfway through that word. I don't know what happened. It happens to the best of us. Yeah. You know, if you have Vader, in there sure if you have velveteen dream versus (laughs) kona reeves in a in a grapple pit mat or yeah grapple pit fight pit no yeah that's that's the clean that's the pg way of saying that of the fight pit match no thank you i i don't want dancing in my fight pit the first rule no, of but I think is no uh, the frontier martial arts wrestling example that you brought up with like Vader and Ken Shamrock, that, boy, one super weird beat in history where WWE just let those two guys go over there and work for FMW for a show. That was weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but like two, that's a great match. And that, that to me is the vibe that needs to be going on in, in the fight pit stiffness, real stiff, um, get guys who want to work snug. So yeah, to your point, I do not want to see Velveteen dream out there in MMA gear. I do want to see maybe Red Dragon in the ring uh, from the Undisputed Era. Uh, like like the, those guys, Kyle O'Reilly in the fight pit. Yeah, all about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, no, I, I don't want to see the wacky zany guys 
trying to do a fight pit and show up in their MMA gear or try to bring wacky zany into the fight pits. Reports have Dominic Dijakovic heading to Raw. Uh, I like Dominic Dijakovic a lot. I think he's very tall, which is great. But it's weird because he didn't have much of a character in NXT, to be honest with you, which is both a positive and a negative. It's a negative in that if you told somebody to watch it and all he is is feast your eyes guy and his story from his family in Croatia, there's not a lot there. But on the other hand, if Vince sees a big guy and he likes him, he can give him a story and it'll work. So I'm, I'm, I'm mixed on this. Yeah, no, I, I get where you're coming from on both sides. I'm going to say I think it's probably a good thing that Dijakovic doesn't have a ton of characterization to date. It wouldn't have been good on NXT because it is certainly, even the Croatia stuff, uh, obviously it's his real-life story, but they weren't connecting it to, like, a motivation. They were just saying, like, he's from Croatia. His family, he's proud of his family. I mean, who among us? Uh, uh, there are some people who hate their freaking family. But, like, the, the sort of default state is, I'm proud of my family. Okay, cool. And, like, what's the what, what, how does that motivate you? How does, you know, why? Like, it, it, how do I connect that to what you're doing right now? Um, and I don't think that those video packages did a good job of that. And they certainly didn't establish where Dijakovic was going to go next uh, after the Keith Lee feud was over. John Laurinaitis is the lead producer on SmackDown, uh, it looks like, according to Dave Meltzer. And SmackDown is currently looking for a head writer. Unfortunate for a number of reasons, I think. Uh, I could think of someone I'd really like to be a head writer right now, but uh, who knows if that person is in position to get the gig. Um, they, they have not called me back, Jeff. They, they're not <laughs> taking me. And Can it, you imagine if I was booking SmackDown? <laughs> oh, no, I mean, look, I, I have friends who I'm like, hey, man, they put out this this actual listing, and they're filmmakers with credits. You know, go ahead, and they're like, dude, we know we wouldn't last three days. And I'm like, I just want you to go through the interview process like I did. Um, yeah, I haven't. I, I signed NDAs for most of the stuff I worked on, and that's 20 years ago. So I, I have no thing, but we'll see what happens there. Um, and uh, I guess finally, uh, Gronk is done with WWE, going to concentrate on football, drop the 24-7 title in a <laughs> Oh, in my, a okay. So, yeah, that, I said, the news is going to spill into this show. Uh, yeah, let's talk about old R-Truth and old Gronk. Old heels R-Truth as like, the gardener? I don't, I don't have any evidence to suggest that Vince is doing this stuff in a trolling way, I truly believe, and, and, and if there is evidence, by all means, get it to me. I'm I'm open. I'm I'm agnostic on this. So oh, no, I'm I think open I think it. I think everybody's having a good. Everybody thought it was a funny idea. Uh, that's what I think too. I, I think that the the issue and the institutional biases here are it's not seeing that this would be a problem, not seeing that people would scan this a problem. Uh, just like uh, you, you know, the play uh, Book of Mormon. It's like yes. when they wrote Book of Mormon, the assumption was, oh, the Mormons are going to be the group offended. It turns out that it was actually pretty offensive to people from Africa because all of the jokes about Uganda. Um, I, I think that like that's the sort of <laughs> issue that Vince has going back, connecting back here a little bit. That's the issue that he's got going on here. You've got R-Truth 
on Gronkowski's property. Gronkowski's fine with it because he looks over, he sees a person of color doing landscaping. And then all of a sudden, after using that camouflage that R-Truth had, R-Truth is able to get the pin on Gronkowski and runs off like a wacky zany character. Um, Yeah, like... I it's, saw, <laughs> I saw there's a, a big Amos and Amy vibe when he's doing the heel clicking thing. Yes, yes, there is. I saw Book of Mormon um, on the first tour here in L.A. Uh, with the original cast. <laughs> the old couple in front of me left at intermission. And I just went, did they not know what this is going to be? <laughs> I had a number of people. I, no, I, this is weird. They did this in Dallas. So this was like five years after it debuted. I finally got around to go and see it. And I had people go like, I didn't know it was going to be like that. They were like, well, I never. So I'm like, dude, come on. <laughs> it's like, but I could certainly understand, um, the, as I said, if you went in um, and you're a black person, you went in and you just thought you are seeing Book of Mormon, I can understand how they felt blindsided. Because uh, that is not what you thought the subject of of the jokes was going to be. But, like, there's a joke in there where um, she thinks texting is done on a typewriter. Like, you know, I, I, yeah. it's uncomfortable. And that's the type of stuff that R-Truth does all the time. All of his jokes are, oh, he's really stupid, hook jokes. 24-7, 7-11, 365, 299. Uh, yeah, no, like, well, the R-Truth the- character... There was discussion that it, whether or not the spud thing was the most offensive thing WWE's ever done. I'm like, and I'm like, I can't get outraged because this stuff happens every week. And my example, the thing that turned me off the most was our truth in a Confederate uniform in Richmond saying he's seceding from the WWE. And I'm just like, I get heel heat. I just, that is, that's slaughter joining the Iraqis, which I still think is the most because that was done for tickets and publicity versus quote unquote characterization and stuff. That to me is the most, is possibly the worst thing they ever did. Maybe other than Saba Simba and Tony Atlas, but you, I, I can't get my outrage meter up high enough because there's something every week. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, and we got to keep observing them. Uh, we got to, you know, recognize them, call them out for what they are when we see them. But at the same time, it's like, <laughs> there's so many of them, guys. I, I don't know. And it's not like the company's going out of business and they are the big star in the solar system of wrestling. So you have to talk. It's like you can't, quote, unquote, cancel WWE because then, like, what is there? They, they take up, what, like 80% of the market share right now. Actual, I mean, and and then Tuesday, of course, every company in the world, it seems, put out a statement, not excluding WWE. Um, but like WWE was very, very studious, uh, unlike other brands and other companies. Yes. And I, I think a lot of that stuff is, is, a, is a bit hollow or a nice lip service. But WWE was studious to avoid saying the phrase Black Lives Matter. And it doesn't strike me as an accident. Okay. I I <laughs> I think I think you're right on them being studious. I do. I, I mean, they they came out with a with a statement in support of their people of color in their company. I that would you know, be news to some of them too. Yeah, I you know, gushers came out with a statement. So it's just <laughs> the the fruit chewy candy gushers. Franco American with spaghettios. 
came out with a statement and i'm, I'm well I'm, I, I mean i remember when spaghettios came out with the the pearl harbor one. <laughs> they, they, oh. spaghettios has always been a very consciously aware brand jeff <laughs> I, I won't have you maligning spaghettios on this show i forgot about the pearl harbor thing what one of my favorites the spaghettio oh. guy with the american flag i uh, it's, it's <laughs> Look, the, it's, but it's the philanthropy is the new marketing thing that I mean, and that's all. I mean, it was. From I think okay. Look, I, the big corporate brands. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Now that being said, there are small businesses like uh, a place that I get pedals from, JHS Pedals. Um, they're a small business based out of Kansas City. They put out a video and a, and a statement about it that I think is really sincere, really heartfelt, and more importantly, in addition to just saying we we're with you in solidarity they actually outline in this video that they're going to be doing stuff in kansas city working with charities donating a portion of their proceeds there's a way of doing this where it's really sincere and there's a way of doing this where it's like wwe yeah uh anything else in the news that caught your eye no i i don't think so um let's get into the in-ring yeah. stuff and, let's do it uh, there was a lot to like on a lot of shows both from vignette aspects and in-ring aspects i thought uh before we start in-ring though uh i need to blade myself to make this feel important chris i will try and get through the rest get of the some show. color on this get some get color some color on this where it's absolutely unnecessary <laughs> oh cody I didn't think it needed color, Chris. I just didn't. Yeah, I I, I didn't think so either. I I, I the he, big he, blood feud with Jungle Boy, right? Yeah. Like, I I don't. This this was just supposed to be a, a title defense that Jungle Boy was supposed to have an admirable showing in, and you know uh, do the job because we're still establishing Cody as the champion. Well, I went there, so let's get rid of our AEW stuff first. Sure. The Tully Blanchard promo on social media with Sean Spears was absolutely fantastic, and it's the kind of promos I've wanted from everybody for a long, long time. The vignette that actually appeared on TV with the black glove in the case was so old school I could smell the mold, and I loved every second of it. Yes, right. Like it's a little, it's a little cheesy. Oh, it's but, full of che- oh, it's not yeah, a yeah. little cheesy. It's yeah, Kraft little, macaroni and cheese. It's cheesy. SpaghettiOs with oh, uh, with uh, synthetic cheese in it's it. It's Velveeta and a case of it. That's how cheesy this was. Yeah, but okay. What I have always appreciated about AEW is that when something isn't working even though they've done long-term booking on it and have a story and they know where they're going to go with something they have generally been pretty good at pulling the ripcord on stuff that's just absolute crap and they did that with the dark order last year when the dark order gimmick the guy was like you know punching the ground or whatever and they're like all right, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We, we gotta we gotta make this dark order thing better uh it did it ever become great your mileage may vary um but in the case of Sean Spears here, I liked the fact that they realized that having Tully on the boxers didn't even make any sense. It was like WWE-style humor, where it's like, uh, it's it's dropping slime on somebody, which they actually did this week. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, they you actually did that on television and double Yes, there, I know. I was like, oh, my God, I really am a 90s kid. <laughs> Hell, yeah, it's double there, baby. Um, 
Uh, like AEW realized that putting Tully on the boxers was stupid. It didn't help Tully Blanchard at all. It certainly didn't help Sean Spears at all. And like they hit, they pulled the ripcord on that. I have no idea where they're going with that, by the way. That was just weird. And now we try to figure out a new way forward. We'll we'll see what happens with the Black Glove. It, it could be an improvement. We'll see. We'll see. The Britt Baker training vignette. With dragging the small five or two and a half pound weight behind the wheelchair. I died at that. And I died at <laughs> with her and big swole her in the back of a truck. And not only whoever's in that truck driving it, I think it was actually rebel doing it hit both a, a barricade in front and behind <laughs> with the truck. And it just it's another week of these trucks and nobody being able to drive them trucks in wrestling is like my new favorite thing i i didn't i didn't realize that this is a thing that i like really pop for um because it's like a goofy trope i i remember it back with like stow cold and like they even kind of then just send up a bit with like kurt angle in the milk truck but now we're like at this new thing where like people can't drive trucks or like drive trucks like three feet and i think i love it I know it's stupid as hell. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I'm a sucker for it just because it's so goofy. Um, I thought the Taz promo for Brian Cage was really good. It just, it died after Mox came out and you realize John Moxley is six foot four. Sneaky yeah, tall, I know, like, like Billy Gunn. That was the problem. The, the problem here is having Cage next to Mox really took the mystique off of cage because the whole point especially someone who you know used to cover him on lucha underground looking back now i realized that the team over at lu did a really good job with the presentation because they always made him feel freaking massive not just strong not just jacked but also big um they did a great job capturing that they got good angles that maximized his height he's a big dude he's like six three or you know he's a big guy Uh, but they always made sure to present him as big and AEW, um, with the way that they were shooting this segment, especially when Mox gets into the ring, Mox looks like he's two to three inches over Cage, and he might actually at be least, that in real life. At least, yeah, at least, but, I think it's, it, I think it's five or six inches. He, he. But you absolutely him. should never, ever, ever stage it where the baby face, who's supposed to be working as the underdog during this title defense, is looming over the heel even if you want to get the heels heat back next week cage he needs to feel like a giant he needs to feel big like lance archer if lance archer doesn't have the big vibe about him the big and intimidating vibe about him he's like a crazy guy but he's not a top level guy anymore um and and that's what happened here with cage uh he does this squash match he beats this guy in relatively short order. That looks awesome. He, he, we're building him up. It's a little bit stale because we just did the same sort of thing with Archer a couple months ago or over the last two months here. Whatever. But when Mox comes out and, and he's looking down at Cage, I was like, oh, man, this is a problem. That This should never have happened. Mox should have been in the stands yelling at Cage. He just should not have been squared up with the dude. Should not have been looking him face to face. It's an issue with WWE because they like tall guys. And if you have everybody in there that's tall, then nobody's a giant. And then they that's come also in, true. And then they come in, and you look at them against guys that you like, and you're excited for this match, and you go, "Holy crap!" I mean, like, if if they put Mox and Archer together, that I, I want to see that side by side. 
because that'll be interesting, I think. Um, I think yeah, Archer probably only has maybe three, four inches on yeah. there. But you really bring up a good point here, which is that wrestling in recent years um, has, like over the last two decades, has really gravitated towards you got to be six foot one or taller. Like e- even six foot is not quite enough. Uh, I remember Rock was uh, six six um, in kayfabe, and that like seems to be Vince's kind of magic perfect height. The problem is, if everyone's six six, no one's big, no one's small, and it makes it harder for the monstrous heel to feel really monstrous and the underdog to really feel like an underdog. Like so, you know, with a guy like Drew McIntyre, you might want him to be an underdog at points. It's hard when he's taller than everyone else. He's a really big guy, but um, you know what I'm getting at here. It, it's just you need a foot of difference to really have a foot of difference. Someone needs to be five foot ten. Someone needs to be six foot ten. That's where the oh man, how's he ever going to chop down that big cherry tree sort of vibe come up? I love FTR. Everybody knows this, so I say this with love. I liked the interview, but I don't think this was the interview to do. I really, I don't think the Barbara Walters sit down, get to know the guys, and why they're here type thing needs to be anything other than these two going. We're here to bring tag team wrestling back into. AEW and doing the Twitter gimmick of, you know, tag ropes and rules and really just not giving a damn about anybody. And I, and I thought the line they'd like back, I forget if it was the Lucha brothers or Omega and page that they said this about where they said, we'd like to work with them as opposed to we'd like to fight them. I had, I had a couple people try and uh, try and try and book that in hindsight and say, well, you know, if they're on the same side, then they'd like to quote unquote work with them. Oh, come to, on. And guys. I'm uh, no, 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 no. I will give them the benefit of the doubt on this. I will. But I just don't think the sit down niceties type thing is the thing I want to see from FTR right now, even though we don't know if they're baby faces or heels. I just kind of want them to be kind of a mystery still. I want them to be ass kickers. I, I liked the end fight where Butcher and Blade, <laughs> whose wardrobe continues to confound me week after week, uh, especially especially Pepper Park slash Blade. I, I, I yeah, the, Blade's the one. And you would think <laughs> Butcher would be the one who you'd be having questions about. No, I it's love Blade, that man. dude. I, I think he's like, uh, if you've ever seen Diamonds Are Forever, one of the Winton Kid guys. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually, that's kind of their vibe, right? Like that's sort of what Butcher and Blade are bringing. Yeah. He's totally Mr. Wint, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> There's the arcane reference of the week. Uh, yeah. No, he's totally Mr. Wint with the, with the, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I liked it. I didn't love it though. It's, it's not what I want from FTR, but I, you know, it's the give it time, let it play out, see where they're going with it type thing. I think it, it was just one of those. And the other uh, thing is, w- they're going to be able to have good what? matches. Yeah. They'll get themselves over with the good matches. And, like, you'll forget about the vignettes. The in-ring work is going to be so good, and they're going to be really allowed to let the bull run um, and really kind of shine. I mean, if anything, the knock on AEW is the matches have all been a little too indulgent, a little too long. Some of the squashes go on a little too long. But the Revival knows how to make maximum usage of the time you and i were talking about rude gable versus the revival from february this year which is like a nothing burger match yeah and they got everyone to bite on and by the end of it people were totally into it i see that experience happening with aew crowds a number of different times and i think even if they get cold they'll be able to get their heat back very quickly with yet another good well-worked match 
demand Bob Cottle come out with a stick mic and have them stand up in front of a cardboard thing and just cut a promo into the camera type of thing. That's how I view the revival. But yeah, this wasn't. I want them doing bad. like training vignettes and stuff too. Like I, I would rather more. Here's what I want of them. Not what are they doing here? What is the relationship between Dash and Dawson? Or I, I don't know what they're called right now. But like, like what is their relationship like? Um, how does it? How, how do they motivate each other? And not because you want to break them up at some point or another, just because like we want to get into their heads a little bit of like them studying moves, thinking about different techniques that, you know, just how, how does this team put stuff together? Okay. I, I want a little bit more of that. Right. Uh, yeah, that's all I got for AEW this week. Uh, I thought I, the Jericho show. man, the Jericho Mike Tyson stuff. <laughs> I get why they are trying to get the most out of the money that they spent on Jericho and Mike Tyson and getting Mike Tyson to come in there. But um like every time I see Jericho yelling at Tyson, I get Sid yelling at Goldberg, Goldberg, why me? <laughs> Vibes like in a serious way. <laughs> yeah, I'm I can't imagine these two doing a match. I can't I, I, you know, Mike Tyson has to knock him out in, in five seconds. That has to be it, right? Yeah, no, it's got to be. Uh, I, I mean, it's got to be, right? Or knock like, out Sammy. Knock out Sammy in three seconds. And that's the match. <laughs> A tag match with, like, him and someone versus versus the sex gods. And then he just knocks out Sammy. I'm, I'm fine with that. I, it's Mike Tyson doesn't have the pull with me as he does with other people and then just bring in a bunch of MMA fighters and a out of work actor. Yeah. That's, that's the part that I, I thought was goofy. Um, Tyson could be a fun character if you had a clear thing for him to do and you leaned into more of his lighter side, him as the intense ass kicker at this stage of the game. Although he looks fantastic. Uh, he's in excellent shape right now. Um, I think we all know Mike in a more multidimensional way at this point um, in, in the kind of common vernacular. It's not the nineties anymore. Um, he, he's not, didn't have that mystique about him, which was a bit of a bad boy. Uh, when I say bad boy, I mean like actually bad person mystique. You've got kinder, gentler, looser Mike. Now he likes to have a good time. He's a fun guy. You saw him in the hangover. You love that scene. Like that's Mike Tyson's energy these days. And I, and I think if you're going to book stuff with him, it's got to be kind of playing into that because uh, what happens is you go, oh, I want this to be intense. And Tyson's like doing like goofy flexes and stuff. Like, I mean, he's hamming it up anyways. Just run with that. Going over to the main roster, I'll just list things from Raw. I really dug. And if anything catches your fancy, go ahead. I think the Seth Rollins Ray character development this week was the best it's been. And Seth Rollins offering to induct Ray into the Hall of Fame was such a great dick heel move. I, I, I did. I, I, this was the week, much like we'll get to on SmackDown with Aunt Pam, my girl Aunt Pam. This was the week where Seth started to find the character, I think. And, and Ray's response was also outstanding. Uh, I thought the Kevin Owens, uh, Apollo Crews stuff was kind of cool, the back and forth before going into the tag match. They put Crews over in the match, which was great. Um, don't know if they're yeah no it's nice to see Cruz finally being appropriately taken care of 
at, at this point or like actually getting some attentiveness it's, it's way well, way look, way 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 too late but like if you yeah. look at the mirror image of that it's shorty g over on smackdown where they're putting him in a six man and they're having him save the day from keeping someone breaking up a pin on the guy he was feuding with in the ring and it it, it just made no sense you didn't do anything for Shorty G in that New Day match on SmackDown, even though that's what you were trying to do because he didn't get to get the pin. And he, he all he did was you stop. You can't do anything from- for Chad Gable until he's liberated from this Shorty G name. I agree. Uh, I will say this. Billy Kay may not be the work rate fiend that you people want him to be. She's such a character, though. She is one of the best characters she's such on a character. the Yeah, she's so... Show. She cracks me up so she much. I, I, had so Alexa Bliss trying not to laugh and with her antics and the squealing and, and the verbalization stuff. And her in an empty arena is a highlight. I loved this stupid match with Nikki Cross. I loved her in it. I think she's fantastic. And I think she and Peyton are a fantastic duo, even if they're going to break them up. Cause it looks like they want to make Peyton Royce a, a baby face to see what they have with the, uh, well, I'll be honest. I think they view her as the star of the duo. Well, you know, that actually gets us into a, a different topic here that we were going to talk about here in SmackDown, but why not talk about it now? Which is that this is a company that, seems to have a sustaining relationship with over-prioritizing blondes. I've been down this road, kids. Anybody who's listened to this show <laughs> knows that I think they, they push blondes. Um, and it's know. not to say that, like, I like Peyton Royce. So, I like, I, I want really this like to be complete. No, I think she's really, really talented. So, like, um, and in terms of in-ring work, this is one of the few times where it's like, no, 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 like, Billy's not a good wrestler. She's a fantastic and entertaining personality, but, like, the in-ring work is shaky, and it's been, like, five years now. It kind of, it's in the diajack zone, where it's like, I would love to see some growth, but where and how? Um, Peyton is obviously the steadier talent, but WWE chose this week to <laughs> tone-deaf yet again to bring up this idea that there is blonde privilege in WWE, uh, Sonya Deville is, is our vehicle for this. Sonya cuts a promo where she talks about, you know, in, in this company, blondes always get taken care of. They always get the chances. They don't let black-haired people um, benefit from this. Uh, instead, it's it's the blondes who are always the winners. And then Lacey Evans takes exception to this, showing solidarity with her blonde comrade, and says, well, I'll see you in the ring, little Missy, and you're a whiner. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. 
And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net, arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You think that there's an institutional or structural bias against you, but you're really just being a petulant child about Hold on, this. Let me cut you off here, though, because something just came to my mind, though. What if they're writing this for me? <laughs> for you just this is a shot at hawkins's gimmick of saying these things and and it's you know is it tone deaf or is it i don't think they're doing social commentary at all okay. like if they were writing it for you that would mean that they'd have more awareness and depth okay. um and context okay no but i mean just are the no. people are the people like me not me <laughs> oh yeah sure sure <laughs> there's an asshole with a podcast we're gonna write a story for him no not, not like that but you know you know the uh you know the, the the i get your thing but are they being tone deaf or are they going into the skid that people always say that there's a bias uh, in favor yeah. of blonde. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, okay, so they're turning into the skid, but then they're ignoring the broader context. So they are being tone deaf because yeah, and they're then, not. And then, of course, Lacey gets the pin after distraction. So, <laughs> right after a distraction, when the blonde comes in and accuses Sonya Deville of whiting and you know trying to take shortcuts, blah blah blah, and that essentially is a form of cheating that sabotages the black-haired person. Mm-hmm. Like, this is obviously problematic, especially when I can flip the channel and see <laughs> issues involving prejudice on live television and news feeds. Like, read the room, guys. Read okay. the room. Okay. I, I, I did not take as strong a take as this. I know that there is blonde privilege. I, I just didn't see it as tone. And that's the other part, too, is denying the privilege that is actually institutional there. Like, I'm not watching this stuff, hunting this stuff out. This is just getting, like, the Sonya, Mandy, the Lacey stuff, that was just slamming me in the face, man. Like, I I do not come in for these hot takes. That one, I can't. I don't know how I talk about that dynamic in any other way, though. Okay. Uh, Nia and Kyrie. Woo, let's get Nia off the television and out of her ring. Yeah, Kyrie used to train people. Let her train Nia. 
I, I'm, I'm, I agree with the consensus that this was mostly Nia's fault hurting her. This was the one where they, she went into the ring steps a little, uh, a little hard and ended up busting herself open and they did a lot of edits to cover for it. Um, yeah. Uh, and then finally, I, I know that the character isn't much, especially when you hear the promos. I'll watch Oscar and Charlotte beat the crap out of each other all day and twice on Sunday. Oh yeah, I, absolutely. I, I think the in-ring work is great. Oscar is Charlotte's Vader in many ways. In terms of the flare Vader thing that you love. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, 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 told, I totally get where you're going with that. Um, yeah. and yeah, I, I kind of agree. Like, I think that Oscar just—it's it's interesting because it's more like Charlotte's Oscar's uh, Vader at this point. But yeah, no, like, I, 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 I really, yeah, I, I like it. Um, I, I think that these two guys or these two ladies work really well in the ring together. And, uh, yeah, my issue is just it's, it's getting into it, not figuring out. Going back to what I said earlier, strong, silent type. Asuka doesn't need to say 10,000 things we don't understand. Mm -hmm. And she would be better if she said five things we did. She can get rid of the green stuff because that's for her heel character. Now that she's been babied, we can get rid of that stuff. Yeah, Uh, if you want to even kind of change up her look yet again, I'd be down with that. Um, But yeah, no, I I, I think that's that's an interesting thing. I kind of, like, I like the green, like, punky thing. I I mean, it makes her cool. But uh, yeah, no, no, I, I get where you're going with that too. It, it's 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 like unsettling, but I I like the fact that it's unsettling. SmackDown, all hail two belt Aunt Pam and Sasha Banks. All hail, bow. But, to the but really Bailey, but really Bailey. Uh, I, <sighs> I like Bailey chattering. It's my favorite spot in any of her matches at this point. Um, you're I just, mine. You're mine. I'm not yours. I'm not yours. <laughs> say, say who the first tag team champions were, Michael. Oh my God! There, there's a moment in the thing they cut away from her, but she's in the middle, kind of doing a little bit of a flare strut. At the, she's found the character. She's found the character, and I even making fun of uh, the Bailey. Uh, wild wacky inflatable tube man elbow thing like, yes love all of it love she's, all of it. she's found the character after weeks of kind of struggling they originally were kind of trying this cleopatra thing with the crown my only my only knock on the match the breakup spot didn't make sense the when when sasha has the bank statement on there and charlotte decides she wants to get it i i didn't buy it I think she should have gone with a Boston crab to try and double the thing, but knocking Sasha out of there to kind of play up the, uh, the, the contention story. And Sasha Banks was great in this match too. I, I don't, I don't know what. No, it was it, a needless beat yes. in this match yes. of Bailey trying to snub out Sasha. Now, like granted long-term Bailey being the heel and Sasha being the baby faces, a new fresh pairing. And a new fresh angle. I just, it didn't need to happen here. I agree. And I don't know if Sasha and Alexa still don't care for each other, even if that was a thing or not. They work so great together. No, they're, they're really great they together. We, we talked about it before. Like, they they just, they they mesh well. Uh, like, even that end sequence, a uh, little, little shaky. But, like, like I they are able to do many more interesting things, especially, like, map-based um, than a lot of other talents do. Uh, like Lacey Evans couldn't do the stuff 
that Sasha and Alexa are pulling off. And for my personal peccadillos, I would not mind a segment on Monday with Bailey and Sasha and the Iconics as they are involved in this tag team feud between the three people who have held those titles. I would not mind that at all. And I know you brought up the Ultimo Dragon thing. I would like it if <laughs> Bailey got – she all has the, the two belts. No, but I, I want her to get gimmick belts that are, like, not winnable. Like, five the, other – The role compl- model title? Yeah, no, like, or old <laughs> – she just goes and grabs old, retired WWF and WWE titles, like the hardcore belt and stuff, and just carry them around as well. The Divas the European title. title. Yeah, she, she declares herself the European champion of the women's division, gets yes. that title. Yeah. She loves gold, and she loves belts so much. She's decided – she wants them all. And, you know, she's just, she looks like a mummy coming out with them on all of things. And if you have not seen it, guys, the WWE.com exclusive post-match is so fantastic with them getting their pictures taken with the titles and then ending with them crying on the floor, which was the knock or the report against Sasha during WrestleMania when they lost the titles in the first place. Absolute fantastic character work from these two. So what I didn't like in this show, although it is quality heel work because uh, there is not a faction outside of wrestling that I I dislike more that isn't like in politics. Miz and Morrison as the impractical jokers guys. (laughs) Those guys are heels. Uh, (laughs) The impractical jokers team. Um, I, I did not care for Miz and Morrison as the impractical jokers. Did not care for that. I didn't care for the Jeff Hardy promo. I forgiveness is earned and I don't think he's gotten there yet. I get that they're going hard into his addiction story, but look, dude, he just had a DUI last year. It's a little early for me. It's weird to be doing this, uh, given the fact that Jeff's not in a good clean place right now. Um, he's trying to get there. Um, hopefully he's making progress, but like, I, 12 the first 12 months after you've you know fallen off the wagon those are the toughest mm-hmm. it, that that's the part that's the challenge where you really got to get everything back on the wagon the you went into the mandy sonia stuff what did you think of the otis mandy vignette um i have nails on chalkboard feelings every time i hear knockoffs of the cars done that poorly Yes, it's it's a it's a reference to uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and they're Poss- doing a horrible cover. Or it's not even a cover; it's like a really really bad imitation of moving in stereo by the Cars. Yeah, we get the uh, we get the perfunctory suntan lotion as uh, sexual uh, shot with Mandy. I okay, you know. PG show, kids. PG show. <laughs> I just, like their dynamic. Otis and Mandy's dynamic is so much more fun and playful and cute and likable during the week on Twitter when they're just like dancing and doing training stuff together. Like that's what I want out of these two. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Just have them like be really good friends, doing stuff, doing fitness stuff. Um. Like I don't. The thirst trappy stuff. Just it. It's silly. Um. And like, it doesn't make the Otis and Mandy relationship have any level of depth, which is what I would need it to have 
so that I can buy into it and really be like, oh, I, I like these two together. And then you can break my heart when you break them up. Yeah, for, for me, I think, I, think the, uh, I think the line is he got the girl already. We don't need the low self-esteem stuff. We, yeah, that's we, also true. We don't need him to be self-deprecating. We don't need him to be all shooks. I'm in over my head because you've ever seen those kinds of relationships. As soon as the guy starts doing that, the woman loses interest. Now, if you're going to do that as a story, I'm fine with that. But he should be, we're actually in love and go with that and do that. That's my, that's my character. No, he should totally be riding high right now. He's yeah, got I the know. briefcase. He's got the woman. He, he's got he had the he big wants. one. He's got yeah, everything dude, he, he wants. On top of the world, looking down on creation, like like that is where, <laughs> that is where Otis needs to be right now. We we have had now in the month the we've only just begun by Rhea Ripley, and now another Karen Carpenter thing in wrestling. What are we? What are we? I am the arcane person here, people. Me. <laughs> oh, all right, all right, all right. No, so, no, no, someone's coming for the throne, Hawkins. Someone's coming for the throne, and we got to play King of the Hill now. And now I got to think of something from like a 1966 movie that I just know. Um, and then finally, this is like the, that scene in Rear Window. <laughs> this is like Eric von Stroheim's Greed, the 10 hour <laughs> version. Um, <laughs> Drew Gulak and uh, AJ Styles, I thought was a fantastic, match. really fun for what it was. Yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. Did, no, you didn't uh, like the vignette. Like you didn't like the vignette going into it. I liked Daniel Bryan's. Uh, I like Daniel Bryan's promo for what it is. But please, I think your criticisms are valid here. Go ahead. I mean, this is again. It's it's kind of it's the drums of everything throughout the week here on the WWE television stuff. And obviously the bigger context, but AJ styles and Daniel Bryan locking horns, uh, AJ doing a classic heel trope characterization, accusing the hardworking guy of wanting handouts. Totally fine this week. Uh, maybe not. I, I, I would rather we, we went somewhere else. I honestly does AJ need to be a heel to get this match to where it needs to go? I don't know that he does. Um, it it you was could, odd you because he was like a baby face last week. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then they, they, they try to work in this whole bye week thing. Um, and he goes, well, that makes me smart. And, which they're trying to play off as a heel thing, but like, no, that makes you smart. Like, yes, <laughs> why would you wrestle? Everybody else is looking to get back into the tournament because of this because of the injury to Elias, I think it was, or no, the injury to Hardy. Yeah. And it's like, and it's like, well, no, let them deal with it. I'm the guy who's earned the buy. So I'm fine with all that. And that doesn't have to be a heel thing. That's just a, Hey, I'm getting well rested, whatever. I mean, you can do this a couple of ways. I understand why they're going into the healness of it though. No, I, I get why they're going into the healness of it, but like we shouldn't have being smart and that is that is exactly what not wrestling when you don't have to is being smart touted as or framed as the heel move whereas taking an unnecessary risk for not particularly clear reasons is the baby face move um it's of of all the things we talked about this week it is my least quibble because as i said there's a long tradition of the heel saying that the baby face who's hardworking is actually the one who wants the handout, blah, blah, blah. It's a projection thing. I like that. I'm actually fine with that, uh, but we see projection all the friggin' time in the real world. So I like having that mirrored in, in the wrestling universe. It's just this week, 
it stung a little bit differently, and I'd rather they hadn't went that way. But I, but to get to the Drew Gulak AJ Styles match, I mean, look, uh, Drew Gulak is is always a treat. AJ's great. Uh, I this this little Daniel Bryan Federation man, I could watch the hell out yes. of it. I, give them their own show. The please. Daniel Bryan Vanity Wrestling Federation is my favorite wrestling federation in WWE. Absolutely. Yeah, because, you know, in wrestling, because you got like AJ Styles, Drew Gulak, Cesaro, Nakamura, Daniel Bryan. You kind of have Mojo Rawley and Chad Gable now involved in it, too. And I don't mind Mojo Rawley as much as some people do. His character is cringe, but his physicality is great. Yeah, his physicality is good. And he's a good, he's actually, like, this character he is doing sucks. But he is actually a talented performer, and we've yes. seen him do like unbelievably good promos. I before. root for that guy so hard for them to figure out what the hell to do with that stuff that he's done. And it's been five years, and nobody knows, and it's killing me, man. No, Those... I, but to to that point, I think if you want to unlock the Mojo Rawley puzzle, because he's got stuff. It's this is not this is not a person like Naya who the we discussed earlier. Ground the thing. It's the breaking ground thing that really yeah. made me fall in love with him because you can just see he loves this stuff. Yeah, and, and you've seen it. We've seen a number of like exclusive uh, promo stuff things too, where Mojo's really just like Ben Drake Maverick levels of good with his promo. So I like I would love to have that handed over to Daniel Bryan and, and tell DB and AJ, hey guys, figure it out with this dude. Um, we think we got something here. You guys tell us where we need to take this. Um, and make it work in your little Daniel Bryan Federation, and then you need to just give. I don't know, like the Intercontinental title or something for that whole little federation to play around with. Chris, we have a network well, special, I would guess, on Sunday. This is where we'll get into our NXT stuff. The go-home show was Wednesday. Uh, six matches on the card. Again, on paper, the absolute weakest NXT takeover we have seen, in my opinion. I try not, I mean, look, I've doubted NXTs before kind of looking at things and going, okay, there's this really weak match in the middle, but the strong ones will go and then it's been good. But there's, there's a few holes in this one, in my opinion. Uh, but I'm going to be optimistic about it. I think it will still be a fun show. Your thoughts going in. Well, let's go, let's go match to match. Um, I, I've not, I'll, I'll say this as, as you're getting that up. I have not been in love with the NXT product. This has actually probably been, the coldest I've ever been on NXT during this period. I, I just think that they've not really figured out what they're doing with the Undisputed Era. The top of the card stuff is really sort of unclear and shaky. Don't love you know Johnny and Tommaso's characterization. You pulled Dijakovic off of here. There's Keith rumors Lee. that the yeah. that this will be the last event for the Undisputed Era, too. Interesting. God. I mean, on one level, okay, that's good uh, because they don't know what they're doing with them. But on another level, you put all of this heat into these guys and you're going to, I guess, take it off. Or at least Adam Cole. Or at least Adam Cole. It might be his. Okay. Uh, I mean, I don't don't think they should do that until they actually tell the story of the slow dismantlement of the Undisputed Era, which is not what we've been getting in these video packages. Uh, Like in these video packages, it's been – Almost like the bubbly bunch, where Adam Cole's like, "Hey, you know how's it?" Going? And some of those are actually kind of fun. Like it, it, the, the, these four guys thinking that they're really funny and really entertaining and really like engaging and like cool dudes, who, but they're actually all really obnoxious. I think is great. It's great heel faction thing. Mm-hmm. They, because 
it, it sort of takes the heel or the cool heel vibe and actually resets it the way it ought to be, which is they think they're cool, but they're heels. Yeah, and and you know, I always like the heels that you know, championships mean money. So we're riding in limos, we're going out to fancy restaurants, we're living the high life because we are champs. And I think that puts prestige on the championship. I, I, I agree I think too. it works all the way around for it. Six matches. We'll start with the six women, six women, six woman tag match. Mia Yim, Shotzi Blackheart, and Tegan Knox taking on Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, and Raquel Gonzalez. I think this is going to be fun. I think we're setting up for a spot where Shotzi's going to put her life in danger. <laughs> it's the best way I can put it. Um, I am waiting for Shotzi to razzle-dazzle me. Uh, I, I'm impressed with the way that she's putting her life in danger, but I would love to be razzle-dazzled in between the four ropes. Yeah. Because um, uh, right now she's a right? uh, 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 cute, charming person who rides around in a tank and has green hair. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I have the heels winning this somehow by, you know, Probably by pinning Shotzi. I think they're going to keep Yeah, I, I actually think that that's side. probably right. Shotzi's there to take the pin, isn't she? Yeah, I think so. So hopefully, I, this this will be a real, this will be a trial by fire for her too, because she's probably going to get a, a hope spot leading up to her taking the pin. And what she needs to do, this, this match is really all about her. What she needs to do is really establish that, like, she's someone who this organization can trust to work longer matches a solo mio. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see uh, smoke and mirrors a bit. We'll see, you know, a cluster in terms of the match eventually breaking down, as they always do. And Shotzi will dive into a pile of humans at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hopefully they catch her. Yes. <laughs> Keith Lee takes on Johnny Gargano. Uh, we had a key spot in the NXT uh, show on Wednesday. We know what they did on, on AEW with this. The guy was out for months. Keith Lee was better by the end of the segment. Uh, I think, I don't know. I think Gargano wins the title here. I think he's going to win. I, I, I think if you're doing the hand thing, if you're, if you're setting up the hand damage thing, because uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't better by the end of the segment. He was favoring his hand. Um, I think the entire match will be worked around his hand. I don't think he will tap out because of his hand, but something will happen at some point. Uh, perhaps he is unable to hit the spirit bomb because of his hand, perhaps he throws a punt, like something will happen that will affect him uh, because of the hand thing. And yeah, I, I think, look, uh, the only thing that makes sense, honestly, would be to have Keith Lee lose the title here. And, and maybe the plan is going back to our, our boy, Dominic Dijakovic to just get Keith Lee and Dijakovic up there as a tag team. Um, oh, I so, that, uh, a twin towers yeah, type thing. Big yeah, old tag yeah, team. Yeah. 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 yeah give yeah. me that. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm into that, especially as you're building up some heel teams and stuff. No, it'd be cool. It'd be cool to have uh, Keith Lee and Dijakovic there as the Twin Towers. I, I think that that's where we're going, and yeah, I think Johnny wins. It's almost a little too obvious. Great vignette, I thought this Well, good vignette. Great vignette comes later. Good vignette with Adam Cole in the Velveteen Dream, I thought. Uh, Adam Cole defending his title in a backlot brawl. Last chance. If Velveteen Dream loses, he can no longer challenge for the NXT championship while Cole is still champion. How do you see it, Chris? I think Cole wins this. I think I I, I know we're talking. We just talked about Cole 
um, maybe moving up and going up to the main roster, he might. He might. That might still occur. But I think if that occurs, he's going to abdicate the title. Um, and, and essentially, like, uh, you know, like the title will be held in abeyance. I, I think Dream loses this. Um, inclined to agree. Uh, I think maybe you don't they... do the big strapping in a back lot brawl match, right? Right. Right. And I don't think, um, you know, I, I just think they're going to do something with Dream here. I think it's going to be one of those things where maybe they dress him up or they put him in a mask or they're going to, they have to find a reason. I think they're going to probably take him off of TV at this point because of his, uh, out, outside, uh, issues going on. Um, uh, that's another good reason why this might be <laughs> why I would not be putting money on Velveteen dream to win this match. Right. Uh, yeah. So we'll see where it goes. Uh, and plus I think if they bring up Cole, having him as NXT champ for now would be a good rub for him because he's a smaller guy. Yeah, that's, that's true too. I mean, this, this company, it's, it's all the same company, right? Put him in the a, Daniel, put him back in the Daniel Bryan uh, vanity federation where he had a nice win on SmackDown leading up to uh survivor series. I think that's fine. Yeah. You can have him work double duties during the, the next round of tapings here. Uh, maybe have him, if, if you want to build to a big match too, you can, you can do that. Uh, have him drop the belt at the next takeover. There's a lot of, there's a lot of ways out that don't involve Velveteen dream winning the title. And I think we've outlined a number of reasons. I, like, let's stop on this too. At the end of the day, Velveteen dream has not exhibited that he can work at a main event champion level. He mm -hmm. just hasn't. I like him. He's a fun character. Uh, there's a lot about the entrance that's fantastic. Uh, he does. I, Jeff's a little colder on him than I am in ring. I think that like Dream has moments outside of the noodle punches. I, uh, the noodle the noodle punches are just awful. But like when he's doing his big spots, throwing the drop kicks, jumping off of stuff, he's a big guy. It looks good. But this is not a main event act. It just isn't. It's a main event entrance. I think when a guy's carrying him, he's fantastic. I, that's my issue with his physicality. It's not. It's not that I don't. I'm not high on him. I just. It's one of those things where he really he can't be the best guy in the ring, and you have that main event level match. He over delivered on his matches with Ciampa and Gargano. And I and was. Why is that? I'm, well, but I was also waiting for the eventual uh, evolution, and I haven't seen the evolution part. You can watch yeah, a guy. No, I, you can watch a guy like I mean Montez Ford is a little bit the same way. You are you are fascinated by how just awesome he was with his leaps and his other things and his physicality, and then you want the next step. And he's done the next step for the most part. I think Montez Ford. He's not. He's not going to be Kenny Omega, but he knows now how to work within the confines of a tag team match very very well. I think. And, I think and I'll tell you, with some outside training, like if he went and just did a training camp with, you know, pick your indie wrestlers or whatever, and they like sat there and were like, all right, here's what he's got. Let's add some stuff into him, some mat stuff, a little bit of suplexy stuff, maybe some lucha stuff into his mix here um, to just kind of round out all the things that he can do with the leaps. Dude, like Tez is great. He's a really, really great character. They just yeah. they just haven't put the time into him. But, uh, but to that point, I think Ford has a higher in-ring ceiling than dream does I, yeah. I i think you know yeah dream's kind of very close to what that ceiling is and i think tez still has room to grow and i think patrick's a little the same or patrick but uh i think dream's the same way i think you know 
instead of having him do drills and stuff, I, I put him in a room with some tape with a guy who was in the seventies and eighties. You know, Terry Taylor could do this. Terry Taylor could sit him down and go, okay, here's what you need to do. And then, you know, they have the guest coaches come in of various styles. They have the Lucha coaches. They have Drew Gulak come in and coach. They have other people who can coach. It's just a matter of the right kind of teaching versus, versus what I think they may tend to do. But I don't know enough to comment on that, so I shouldn't. And, and, then, and then, honestly, Dream, uh, well, I think would benefit from going and doing some, like, evolve shows and doing some indie spots and just working some different styles of matches. When those, just, when those come up, and I think that's another yeah. problem. Is that yeah, that's all. Those? That's that is a problem right now. Yeah, sure. Uh, and but a, they could have done that before now too. That's very true. Uh, well, he did a little bit, but not enough, I think. Uh, Finn Balor. Yeah, clearly. Versus, yeah, Finn Balor versus Damian Priest. <laughs> Man, I remember this feud's been off TV for three weeks. Who cares? I, I I just I'm laughing because it's like I remember moons ago talking to uh, a, a, someone I know from my old job. I'll just leave it at that. And this was, I was very into New Japan at the time. It was 2012 or 2013. And I was telling them, oh man, it would sure be great if this guy, Prince Devitt, came over because he would totally be very, very big in WWE. Uh, they, because he's got, you know, movie star good looks and like he's got, he's just got a fun vibe about him and he does all the, the, the faint, face painting and the kind of cosplaying stuff like there's just a lot for the average wrestling fan especially in the early 2010s to really sink their teeth into latch onto and be very excited about i never thought we'd be in 2020 and he would be like just an ice cold entity dude it, it it's uh it's a shame to see is what it is he was uber popular and they cut him off at the knees i mean that that's the only way to describe it uh we thought these two might have a partnership of some kind, much like uh, he was the, the old Devitt champion. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. They, they they didn't just they didn't just cut him off at the knees. I, they lopped him off mid thigh. <laughs> we thought there might be a bad luck valet relationship with Damian Priest. I haven't seen that. I I think I think Damian Priest has some really good stuff he can do. Um, I think the gimmick needs to evolve a little and they haven't i think the in-ring or the ring entrance is just the archer infamy stuff needs to go away quite frankly i think Mario's it's not a big show good. entrance either it's goofy it's like yeah. a mixture of like gangrel and yeah no the archer of infamy is just like a but i also it's just, think it's a meaningless catchphrase too mm -hmm. like archer and infamy like they i guess they kind of sound cool and I sort of feel like maybe the impulse initially was he could be the architect of infamy. And then they realized they already have an architect. Um, but like an architect of infamy. Through a job catalog. Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait. He's the plumber of infamy. Nah. The roofer of infamy. Nah. <laughs> he could be the systems analyst of infamy. Of infamy. No, no, we can't do that. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, I think Balor gets a win. I think he's the next guy for Cole. That would make some sense. That's interesting. Okay. I could see that. Yeah, because they, they did already sort of set the table a little bit between the Undisputed Era and Adam Cole and, and, and Finn Balor. That would make a lot of sense, and that sort of connects the dots on what's going on in the Velveteen Dream match. So, yeah, I, I got Balor going over here. I was going by Wikipedia, and I should have 
I should have just done my own order and I didn't. So I'm going to switch at the last moment here. Tommaso Ciampa taking on Karrion Cross with Scarlet. The Smoke Show and Karrion getting their first, uh, first takeover. Who knows? I think Tommaso has to lose and I think Scarlet has to screw him. And yeah, I don't no, think people, it's gotta are gonna, be... people aren't going to like it. I think people aren't no, going to like it. I don't know how you get a good match out of the finish that they necessarily have to have yes. here. Yes. I just, I, cause everyone sees the finish coming from a mile away, which uh, we, we've talked about this before. I, I forget what the term is that we use, but like, it's that thing where you're watching a match and because the match's outcome is so predetermined, it keeps you from really sinking your teeth into the match. I think that this match is really going to suffer from this because either Karrion Cross is going to win because of a schmozzy screw job, or he's actually going to beat Tommaso Ciampa outright, which would be awful. Just has to be screw job. No, it has to be screw job. It has to be screw job. Be, it be has clean. to be. Cannot be clean because Tommaso is too much of a character here, unless they're going to re unless they're going to reinvent Tommaso. And look, we've seen the problems with Gargano doing that. I, yeah, this feud must continue. So Scarlett's doing something to Tommaso. I, I hate her on NXT too. Like the 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 faces and stuff. I I wanted to be willing to go here with this, uh, especially because like I, I think like valets and managers and stuff are really really super useful in wrestling. Um, and you know Scarlett's got star power, but her acting sucks. I'll say it. It sucks. It's it leaves something to be desired. I, he, he's, he's, he, he, he's just hiding behind me. It sucks. Let. <laughs> <laughs> Hawkins is trying to be diplomatic. Okay. Um, no, it doesn't have any time for I will, diplomacy. I will anymore. give you the worst finish, and I know it's on the table. Uh, not, not, not there, but I know it could be on the table because it's been done already with somebody else they were trying to push on the main roster. They babyface Karrion Cross after Tommaso Ciampa hooks up with Scarlet. Chris, what is Karrion Cross's gimmick? I. Uh, is this a rhetorical question? Because I'm really struggling. Like he's mystical entrance guy. But what does all the imagery tell you? He is a vampire. Uh huh. He's. I was gonna say he's getting grell. The Shayna Baszler. Oh God. He's gonna yeah. drink the blood of Tommaso Ciampa. He the bites black him in the neck. He bites him in the neck, Chris. No, I, I'm gonna re-raise you. And the For blood is black. Oh. <laughs> it's Papa Shango. Because uh, he's the black heart, you see. Everything about the Carrion Cross and Scarlet gimmick screams vampire, Fifty Shades of Grey type of thing to me. I think they do something mystical here. I think they go storytelling. And 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 I think that's on the table here for the screw job. The, the only thing that makes me a little cold on that because I, I do think that, that would be on the table is that like NXT has generally been gun shy at embracing the full mystical storyline. Even when in some cases I've been the one calling for it as, as the former Lucha underground reviewer here, like I'm cool with this. Take me out these juries. They're, they're goofy sometimes, but like, I like me a good undertaker cane. We burned down the house storyline. Like, okay, sure. But I, I don't, I don't know. Um, but I'm not optimistic about this match. This is out of all the matches we discussed so far, this is the one I'm coldest on. But like, yeah, and I like if this is following the Damian Priest Finn Balor match, this is gonna be a very rough patch of the show. Finally, 
an outstanding vignette on NXT this week for the women's triple threat, I thought. I thought they did wonders for Io Shirai. I thought Charlotte was quite good in it as a professional wrestler trying to maintain her status and also coming back to the old neighborhood to dominate. And I even thought, look, I don't think it's, it was the time necessarily and the push to do it, but I think, look, if you're going to take the belt off of Rhea Ripley, she needs to go through a rebuilding phase. And I think plucky underdog Rhea Ripley right now compared to Charlotte's character is a pretty good call. Yeah, no, it's got some good traction. I, yeah. and I was really doubtful. Like when we we initially looked at the thing that they were trying to do with her, we were not particularly warm on it. Um, we didn't like the move, but I, I think they're doing okay. Uh, in in this space, given that this is sort of like the the backdrop that we we need to make her a plucky underdog, and I think Rhea is really doing her part. And I even like the weirdness of the Io Shirai one. I, I did. I thought I thought it was a kind of a cool thing, you know, her being in water the entire time. Um, but we have this triple threat match. We have Charlotte Flair doing sometimes triple duty in a week as NXT champion, but going in between SmackDown and uh, and Raw. Although, hey, Chris, nobody mentioned that. Uh, oh, what are they? What are they calling the wild card now? That dumb thing. Nobody partook in it really this week, and and I think uh, who knows where it is right now. The, the, yeah, I forget what the yeah the wild card rule. I, I, they had a term for it too. I I, yeah, I, can't, I can't remember. remember. I wanted to call it like the brand visa or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, the passport or something like that. Yeah, um, the passport. Yeah. Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley versus Io Shirai. Chris, who comes out the NXT Women's Champion? Is he a heel or a face? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know she what? Is, she is a nut job who, yeah. who is just nutty depending on the situation and can go either way. I want to say EO wins this because they want to have a sign off that people watching the show actually bite into. And I, I just have a hard time seeing Charlotte posing triumphant at the end, being a finish that the NXT audience is going to be really pleased with. Um, her matches have been fine, but we just have been so saturated with Charlotte in recent weeks. You got to imagine she's probably tired of having to make all these different appearances. I would think so. I'm a lot of me says Io Shirai is finally getting a run with the title. And then there's that half of, or not half, but like, 10% of me that thinks, you know what? Kyrie needs something to do with Asuka having the title. You bring EO up as a tag partner to take on Aunt Pam and, and Sasha. You know, I, I think, and then you still have the EO Shirai Rhea Ripley feud as Charlotte goes away. And then you can come back to Rhea and Charlotte at another date when it's a WrestleMania match. So everything in me says EO Shirai is getting this title somehow by uh somehow by some weird <laughs> throw somebody out of the ring and stealing a pin type of situation or something i could see them giving it right back to Rhea. i just don't see that as the call i might be able to see them do charlotte flair but i just don't see who else on the roster charlotte i mean I, charlotte candace is a great match to me but they're now both heels charlotte tegan knox is a fun match to me but tegan's kind of stuck in this six woman thing 
I don't want Charlotte. And they need to get like some anyway. upper card vibes going with Tegan at this point. Yes. I like Tegan and I, and I, I definitely see further mileage for her, but like she has very mid cardy vibes and I don't yes. think she has to. Yes. She should. I mean, this, 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 this thing with Dakota Kai should be elevating her and she's doing walk-ons and comedy skits with me and, 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 and Keith Lee. And I just don't get it because she, she has Becky vibes. I'm going to say it, and it's not just the red hair. She has the attitude. Yeah, the, the tough the brawl tough and brawl. And if you want to, like, I, I would love it, too, if they made, like, Mia and Tegan the new buds. Um, yeah. like, like, they're buds, and maybe, like, you know, Tegan, Mia, and Keith, like, they're all friendly and chummy. Like, I, but, I, of course, I'm old school, and I like baby faces getting along and being friends with each Package other. Package the tough baby face NXT women's team to go up against Bailey and Sasha for a program. They don't have to and, win. And Dakota and Reyna. They, they got unfinished business over there. Yes. Too. Like, like, I'm yeah, fine. yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, you have Rhea. I have Io. Yeah, I I don't know that I have Rhea. Did, did I say that? Uh, I, I think I said I don't know I think either. I, I don't know if you said anybody. What, what, if I, what if I just split the difference here? Go Rio. Her name is Rio, and she dances on the sand. You don't know the words to Rio. What the hell's your? Yo, I do. I, I know the baseline. You don't even know how to play it. I I I know the baseline. I got a bass here at home. <laughs> yeah, well, you hit the frets, buddy. No, yeah, well, I haven't played it in a while, but no. Um, there you go. There we go. It's it's a hard baseline too. <laughs> no, I do that. The um the breakdown um in in the solo section. Yeah. Nothing, dude. Like a, a coworker's friend is in one of those uh, teenage rock academies in Florida and plays bass and can do this, and I'm just like, I he's he's gonna be a star. <laughs> nice. No, nice. yeah, no, that, 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 there, there's a lot of good baselines on those old uh, Duran Duran recordings for sure. But uh, I think we've made enough esoteric references today. That's very Do true. we have any other? No, I, we, there's more. We could keep the show going forever. No, no uh, but I, I, I could talk for a long time if you let me. Was there any other wrestling we needed to get to, though? I don't think so. Um, you know, uh, so to put it mildly, I'm Crap Game 13 on Twitter. Chris is Chris Novembrino. At Chris Novembrino, you can just follow the show at Shake the Most. We are part of the Voices of Wrestling Radio Network. Uh, plenty of podcasts. There's we have, an, we have an AEW show. We have the flagship, which covers almost everything. We have things for minor league Japan promotions. If that's your business, we have a quiz show. We have Omakaze. Which and of course, you can everywhere. catch up on all the classic archival episodes of Stipulation if you can find them somewhere on the Forces <laughs> of Wrestling website. Yeah, our <laughs> our, uh, our our feed is on Red Circle. You can tip us over there. Um, Chris does other podcasts, as he alluded to at the beginning. He's been very, very busy, 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 v u s y, busy in the political wonkery. Chris, give him your links. Yeah, busy just on the microphone this week too. Like there, there is a lot of recorded note here as I'm stacking up the week. Um, yeah, so you can check it out over at Don't Worry About the Government. Obviously, we're talking about Black Lives Matter. We're talking about George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, all those sorts of things. Everything that's going on in the campaign trail, COVID-19, the coronavirus. If you want to hear me talk about any of that stuff at length in, in a much deeper and kind of nicer form too, where I have like edited video pack or edited audio packages and stuff, go and check that out. It's over at Don't Worry dot tv um you can also check us out at patreon.com slash dwatg and yeah at chris Novembrino. that's where you find me uh, i want to thank everyone for listening to the show uh and i want to encourage everyone to 
take a moment today and like think about what you can do in in your sphere in, in your world to make the world around you in your city in your town a little bit better um we all could be doing a little bit more i think that's a big takeaway right now yeah big problems are solved by little individuals